All right. Well, good morning, church. How you guys doing this morning? Happy New Year to all of you. Um, Let's uh, go ahead and pray and then we'll get uh, into the word today. Uh, Dear Lord, we do come before you now. God, as we start out uh, this new year of 2021, Lord God, we want to dedicate it to you, Lord God. We pray that you would be at the center of our focus, Lord, in everything that we do and every decision we make, Lord God, that it would be centered upon you, Lord God. And so uh, we welcome you here in this place. God, I pray that you would uh, minister to each and every heart, Lord God, that you would just meet us right where we're at, Lord, that you would just uh, reveal your word, Lord, reveal your will to each and every one of us, Lord God, that we would just uh, be soft soil, ready to receive, ready to respond and ready to act upon the things that you've called us to here today. And so we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, again, it's great to to be here with you. And uh, I think it would be a bit of an understatement if I said uh, that this is uh, a little bit different of a New Year's than we're used to, right? I don't think most of us are thinking about the things we normally think about during New Year's, right? Like, um, I think a lot of us, we can check off the whole charade of I'm going to go to the gym and, you know, go through that for a few weeks. And uh, no, it's unfortunate, obviously. It's a sad thing. Um, How many of you have had a a rough 2020? Has 2020 been difficult? And uh, I think uh, we're all glad that 2020 is over, right? I'm like, dunny, dunny with 2020. It's like, okay, let's move on. But the thing is, like, as tough as 2020 uh, has been, and as happy as we may be that it's over, uh, a lot of people are apprehensive about what lies ahead in 2021, right? There's a lot of uh, things going around on the internet about like, what if 2020, it was just a trailer for 2021, right? It's like, oh, like I don't want to go in there, right? And so there's a lot of different views on what lies ahead uh, for us in 2021. There are those who believe that we're going into a dark time, a dark winter a dark season, then there are those who have a more optimistic outlook on what lies ahead. And there's quite a range of views on how people see 2020. And, you know, the reason there's such a range is because everyone is viewing 2021 from their own point of view or from their own vantage point. And uh, a vantage point by definition, is a position or a standpoint from which something is viewed or considered, also known as a a point of view. Another definition for a vantage point would be a way of thinking or a set of opinions based on your particular situation. And so the truth of the matter is that there can be two people looking uh, at the same thing and yet seeing something completely different. Right? How many of you guys know that's true? And see, the truth is, the way that we see things affects the way that we do things. And it affects the things that we do. And so if we see things wrong, chances are we're going to do the wrong thing. And so it's very important because then we have to deal with the consequences of those wrong actions. And so uh, we need to see things clearly. And so how do we do that? How do we have a correct Vantage point. You guys want to know? Okay, I'm going to tell you. My suggestion to you would be to take your vantage point from a vantage point and change it into an ad vantage point. 
Now, how do you do that? Well, you just add a D, right? And, and you're done, okay? <laughs> so what is this D? The D stands for, you guys ready? Divine. How about a divine standpoint? How about seeing things from God's perspective to, to the point where it doesn't matter what this guy thinks or this person thinks, but to really look and try to see things the way that God sees them? A divine vantage point is the way to have to turn a vantage point into an advantage point. We need to seek to see things the way God sees them because in this season, there's so much conflicting and inconsistent information, right? We hear so many things and, and these experts say this and these experts say that and we, we wonder, you know, what is the truth? Whether it be with the virus, whether it be in the handling of the virus and the lockdowns or the political or social issues that we're dealing with, you know, who do we believe? Who can we trust? And everyone thinks they're right. And everybody thinks that whoever thinks opposite of them is crazy, right? And lately they throw in a few other interesting adjectives along there, right? Crazy and fill in the blank. But the truth is, we need not worry about what man has to say. We need to look at what God has to say. Amen? Amen. He's the only one who truly knows what's going on, and he's the only one who can actually do something about it. So we need to look and see things the way that God is looking at them. And so that's what we're going to do today. As we take a look in Scripture, we're actually going to be looking at a group of people who are dealing with a very similar situation to deal with. And so we're going to go ahead and take a look in the book of Numbers. So if you would, turn to Numbers chapter 13. This is the book of biblical math. No, I'm just kidding. Don't worry. <laughs> All the people that hate math are like, no, not in the Bible. Little background here. So, so the children of Israel have been set free from captivity, from slavery in Egypt. Remember the whole ten plagues and the Lord showed himself mighty. And, and uh, so they were released as they went into the wilderness. They went into the Red Sea. The Lord parted, miraculously parted the Red Sea, came crashing down upon the Egyptians. And so now they are en route to the promised land as they're in the wilderness here of Paran. And so as we pick this up, in Numbers 13, we're going to be going through Numbers 13 and 14, kind of skimming through. There's a lot of text here, so uh, just bear with me as we kind of uh, chunk our way through it. Uh, starting off in verses 1 and 2, uh, it says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. And so uh, a Spy goes out from each of the tribes, and uh, the two names to take note of are Caleb and Joshua, who were among them. As it goes through and lists out the names, we'll pick it up in verse 17 here. It says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way to the south and go up to the mountains and see what this land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. Few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests or are not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up 
And they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rahab, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south, and they came to Hebron, Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between the two of them on a pole. And so they brought some pomegranates and figs. And this place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel had cut down there. So here they were um, out scoping out the land, checking it out, seeing if it was good or bad, or what was in the land. And so they said, hey, bring back uh, some of the fruits. And so they're bringing back this, this great evidence of this wonderful land. They, they bring this cluster of grapes. Two of them have that on a pole. They got pomegranates and figs. Um, and then uh, in verse 25, it says, that, it says, They returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. And so uh, as they come back and bring this report, uh, they want to know, is it good or is it bad? And uh, so in short, the answer is uh, yes. Right? It's complicated. It's like, okay, well, we got some good news and we got some bad news. So let's see what they say. Uh, and, and then they told him, we went to the land where you sent us, and truly, it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So they're displaying the wonderful fruit. Verse 28, but nevertheless, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. That was the, uh, the nevertheless, right? The good news about there's great fruit, but there's great, big, huge, giant people there, right? Check this out, verse 30. But Caleb, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Right? So you see a very different perspective. Again, these 12 spies going out, looking at the same thing, seeing something very differently. And so as the, the obstacles and the, the challenges are laid out, we see that Caleb saw something quite different. And not only did he say, like, Caleb was not like, well, okay, I know there's a lot of bad stuff, but I, I think we can do this. Like, we could probably. No, he, he just said, let's go right now. Immediately. He was like, let's go. You know, he's like getting his stuff like, come on, guys. Are you guys ready to go? He was ready to go. But check this out, verse 31. But when the... Uh, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. 
And so again, we kind of have the back and forth, the good news, the bad news, right? As these 12 spies went out and, and again, looking at the same thing, seeing something very differently, 10 saw opposition, two saw opportunity, right? Seeing the same thing very differently. See, 10 viewed the circumstances through the lens of fear, two viewed it through the lens of faith. Joshua and Caleb, they did not deny that there were giants, but they looked at them through the lens of faith or trusting in God. And so as we look at our text here today and as we step into chapter 14, we're going to draw three points. And our three points are going to be uh, three steps to turn your vantage point into an advantage point. Three steps to turning your vantage point into an advantage point. And so our three points are going to spell out the word act. A-C-T. Because before we act, we need to make sure we're seeing things right. Right? If we want to take the right actions, we need to have the right vantage point. And so these are three things that we are to do prior to taking action to make sure that we have the right vantage point, which is an advantage point. So let's look at our first step. Our first step to changing our vantage point to an advantage point. The A in act is to, the A is alignment. Alignment, we need to align ourselves to God. Now check this out. Going back to verse one here in chapter 13. Uh, notice what the Lord said to Moses. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Right, so here's the Lord saying, I am going to do this. This is something that I am going to do. So you guys need to do your part. God's like, I'm going to do my part, right? And we see the children of Israel are, are scared. They're hesitant, right? They're looking at the obstacles. They're looking at the opposition. And yet we see in verse 30, Caleb, as he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. See, Caleb aligned himself to God's word. Caleb aligned himself to what God was going to do. God didn't say, you guys are on your own. You guys go fight it. Do your own thing. No, God said, the land which I am giving. I am going to do a thing, right? And so Caleb aligned himself to God's word, to what God had said. Because how many of you guys know that God means what he says? And Caleb aligned himself to that. He trusted in that. He was acting in faith, he, disregarding the fear. He pursued what God had said. His eyes were on the Lord. And so we need to align ourselves to God's word and what God has said. See, the Israelites, the children of Israel, they had a huge advantage that they weren't considering. That the Lord was with them. Right? They were looking at it from man's vantage point, from, from a size standpoint, from a strength standpoint, from a skill standpoint, and they said, these guys are too strong for us. But they didn't realize that the Lord was with them. And the truth of the matter is, if you're doing what God has called you to do, you're not doing it in your own strength. Right? God doesn't call you to do something and say, hey, good luck with that. I hope you're strong enough. I hope you succeed. God will enable and equip and empower you to do everything that he's calling you to do. We just need to trust in him, trust and have that faith in his strength and in his ability. Because if you are in God's will, there is nothing and no one that can stop you. Who's going to stop you? 
Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Right? We are more than conquerors through Him. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Does that sound like you go out there, good luck? No. <laughs> right? He says, I, when we walk in God's will and we walk in, in, in line with him, then we're walking in his strength and his power. And so, again, Isaiah 41 says, fear not, fear not. Because fear causes us to do silly things, Right? <laughs> We're, we're not supposed to use the word stupid in our house, so uh, I'm saying silly, but y'all know what I mean, right? Fear causes, how many of you guys have done something silly in a panic? How many of you guys have taken action based on fear? Doesn't work out too well, does it? Don't recommend it, right? And, and the reason this happens is because we are focusing on the, the, the size of our problems. When we focus on the magnitude of our problems, the level of our difficulty, the, the amount of our challenges, we get ourselves in trouble. But the truth of the matter is, in order to see things right, in order to see things correctly from the right vantage point, from an advantage point, is this. Don't measure your problems by the size of the giants, but by the strength of your God. It doesn't matter how big the giants are. It matters how big is your God, how strong is your God, His power, because He is the source of our strength. And if we are aligned with God, it is His strength that matters. And Caleb and Joshua, they didn't deny that there were giants there. They did not deny the opposition. They didn't deny the obstacles. They didn't deny the difficulty. They just knew that God was greater. God is greater. We look at the contrast and we see what the, the, the other spy said in verse 33. Check it out. Uh, chapter 13, verse 33. And there we saw the giants. And the descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight. And so we were in their sight. And so they're like, we were like grasshoppers. These guys were huge. They're like, you should see how huge they were. These are giants. But check this out. Isaiah 40. 22 says this, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. What does that mean? To God, we are all grasshoppers, right? Compared to God, it's like it doesn't matter. It's kind of like two kids, you know, arguing about who's stronger, you know, like two small children, you know, arm wrestling. And it's like, OK, does it really matter? who wins here because like if my car stalls right now and we need to push it, you know, I don't care which one of you it is, I don't think we're getting very far, right? And that, that's the contrast here, right? Are you looking at this based on your strength, based on your ability, based on your limitations from your viewpoint, or are you looking at it from God's standpoint and know whose power and who you are aligning yourself to and whose will you are fulfilling because in that case it doesn't matter. We're all grasshoppers. Because when God is in the game, he's a game changer. Amen. Amen. When God is in the game, he is a game changer. And so we need to align ourselves with him. You know, I remember um, when I was real young, I started playing soccer. And um, our team, like we like, were winning all the championships and stuff, undefeated and all that. And uh, we weren't a great team, but we had a great player. There was this awesome play. He actually ended up, you know, ended up going into uh, 
the MLB and all of that, so professional athlete. And so, but, but when he was um, in the game, it's like we would win. It's just like, you know, nobody else really needed to do anything, you know, just kind of show up or whatever. When he was out of the game, we worried, okay? When he was in the game, we won, you know, uh, because he was a game changer. Guys, when we align ourselves to God, he is the ultimate game changer. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, I was thinking as we were singing the last song, as we're singing, you know, show us your glory. Show us your glory, right? And just thinking about that, that we, if we want God to show us his glory, he's got to take us through some stuff to display it. Right? How is God just going to take us through an ordinary life, you know, just mediocre, no issues, no problems? And, and how can he display himself with that? If, you, if we sing and we stand here saying, show us your glory, that means God's going to take you through some stuff to show you who he is. Because when God shows you his glory, amazing things happen, right? And so we need to trust in him, align ourselves with him, buckle up and, and be ready to go. Um, so our first step in turning your vantage point to an advantage point is to align ourselves to God. Our second step is found in uh, chapter 14. We're going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 9, Numbers 14. So all the congregation, this, so, so here this report, right? We got both sides of the, the issue, the, the, the opposition, the opportunity. And so here's the people responding. So all the congregation, they lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in the wilderness. And so, so here is just irrationality, right? Like fear makes you do silly things, right? We've talked about that, right? And here they are saying, oh, we should have died in Egypt. We should have died in the wilderness. Verse three, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims. Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt, right? Talk about sellouts. They're selling out Moses, right? Here's Moses, the guy who, you know, took them through with the, the 10 plagues, you know, going back and forth with Pharaoh. Uh, they get out of that, you know, leads them through the Red Sea, and they're like, uh, so what have you done for me lately, basically, right? They're like, Moses, you're out. We need a new guy. We're going back into captivity, going back into defeat. Verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Verse 6, but Joshua, man, I like that name. I don't know. Anyways, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And so here we have, you know, the, the, the two responses, right? They got the, the land, the, the uh, report on the land, you know, the good news, bad news kind of a thing, opposition, opportunity, right? And so what is the response? 
the response from the children of Israel, they, they want to turn back. And so our second step to turn our vantage point to an advantage point, the C in the word act, is continuation. We need to continue in what God has called us to. Don't turn around, don't stop, don't hold back, but continue whatever God has called you to do. Don't let fear stop you. Fear can be paralyzing. Right? Fear of the unknown can be paralyzing. Fear of what you do know can be crippling. But we need to trust in God, continue on in God. It is not enough to start with God. You have to stay with God. Right? We need to stay with God, stay on track, continue in what God has called you to. Don't stop, don't quit. Did you know that not doing what God has called you to do is rebellion? That's what he says here. He says, do not rebel against the Lord, but continue in his calling. Whatever God has called you to do, don't let anyone or anything deter you from it. Later on in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord says this, Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Whatever God has called you to do, wherever God has called you to go, do not be deterred. Do not be distracted by your circumstances or your situation. You guys know that your circumstances don't change what God has called you to do. Right? God's not like, okay, hey, here, go here, do this, step into this, embrace this or whatever, unless something crazy happens. Then you're on your own, right? I don't, I don't see that in here. No. Right? God means what he says. He says what he means. That's why he's given us his word, and God is faithful, and he is still in control even in the midst of crazy circumstances. When did God ever promise that things were going to be easy? Right? God promises to get us through, but he didn't promise us an easy path. You can't have a victory coming from an easy path. Right? There is no victory without a challenge, without overcoming. And so to see things correctly, here we see the, 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 the ten spies and we see the congregation of the children of Israel saying one thing, which seems to be in conflict with what God has said. And so uh, the next point really comes in the form of a question. The question is this, will you trust man in spite of what God says? Or will you trust God in spite of what man says? Because what God says and what man says, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be contradiction, right? And so here there was many voices saying, hey, we need to turn around. We need to go back. But that's not what the Lord said. It doesn't matter what men say. What matters is what God says. So we need to trust in the word of the Lord Amen. and not in the word of men. We got a lot of that today. We have a lot of opinions today, right? There's a lot of voices. And, and notice, here we have these 12 spies. We have 10 spies who gave a bad report. We have two who did had the positive report. And so here we have a majority. We have a lot of voices. Probably got loud voices, right? We have a lot of that today as well. We have a lot of loud voices, right? Mostly peaceful. 
loud voices saying a lot of things, right? But the truth of the matter is, just because they're louder doesn't make them righter, right? Just because they're louder, that doesn't mean that they're right. And so we need to beware of the majority. We need to beware of the majority opinion and, and, and the, what everyone is saying. Kind of a good rule of thumb is if everyone is saying this, Christian, probably that's not where we should be. Right? We're probably going to find ourselves in the minority, but we need to stick with God's word, stay on track, continue on with what God has called us to, no matter how loud, how strong, how violent the voices may be. We're not to listen to men, but to God. You know, in this season, there's a lot of talk about contagiousness, right? With the virus and all that, and now I guess we've got... A wonderful new, more contagious strain coming in from England and all that. But um, you know what else is contagious is fear, right? When people freak out, it tends to freak other people out. And like <laughs> we've had some, some very interesting things. Again, you know, when we, ha when we have fear, when we act in fear and panic, we do weird things, right? I mean, toilet paper? Seriously? Like why is that really the one thing that I don't know? I don't know. But you know what else? You know what else is uh, contagious? Faith. Faith is contagious, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk not by sight, but by faith. Amen. Right? We walk by faith and not by sight. That is how we walk in the Lord. That means we may not see everything. We may not understand everything. Things may not make sense, but we walk forward in faith because we know who is on our side. We've aligned ourselves with God and we continue on in his calling. You know, ha having this faith, it's kind of like uh, putting on night vision goggles. It gives you some visibility, right, in what you need to see. Do You know what it doesn't do? It doesn't make the dark light. It doesn't take you out of the night. It doesn't change that. It gives you some visibility, right? Trusting in God's word. Take that next step. Do what God has called you to do. He's not going to take away the dark, but he's going to take you through it, right? The Bible says, Psalm 23, 4, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, right? We walk through the valley, right? That, he didn't say he's going to take us from it. He didn't say he's going to keep us from it. He's going to walk us through it. And get us to the other side. Walking in faith is not the absence of fear. It's moving forward in spite of it. And so, not only is fear contagious, faith is contagious. You know, that's why Hollywood puts out so many of these hero movies. Right? These superhero movies because people want to be inspired. They want to be motivated. Right? They want to see somebody do something amazing. Right? And so we, we want to be inspired that way. And so we see that here. But the truth of the matter is there's really no greater hero than the one who laid down his life for us. Right? To pay our debt for our sins to set us free as Jesus Christ valiantly and heroically, not in defeat, hung upon that cross to be our victor so that we could have victory in and through him. Amen? So walking with the Lord, continuing on with him, it doesn't mean it's going to be an easy path, but it's going to be victorious, right? When we continue with him, we will be victorious. So let's be those who spread faith instead of fear. 
What's our contribution in this time, in this season as Christians, as children of God, to, to spew out the same fear that we're hearing from every inlet possible? Or will we counteract it? Will we contradict it standing in faith saying that I have a God who is a game changer? Amen? All right. Let's look at our third step to change our vantage point to an advantage point is we're going to kind of skim through chapter, the rest of chapter 14 here, picking up in verse 10. In response to this, it says, All the congregation said to stone them with stones, right? So here they are saying, hey, let's go. This is a positive thing. They say, no, let's, let's kill these guys. The congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. And so here the Lord is, is you know, giving this judgment upon them, saying, All right, Moses, you know what? These people, you know, let, let's just wipe them out. And then it will start over with you. We'll do a 2.0, whole new people, whole new thing, right? <laughs> but we see in verses 13 through 19, the Lord, or Moses rather, intercedes for the people to the Lord, right? His heart of a servant, his heart of a leader, he intercedes, pleading with the Lord. Picking up in verse 20, the Lord says, I have pardoned according to your word, right? So he relents on that. But truly as I live... All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all these men who have, been, who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Verse 24, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it for now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea and so here there in verse 25 is the commandment of the Lord he says tomorrow turn and move into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea um, then uh, the Lord continues his judgment upon them in verses 26 through 38. Uh, we'll, we'll pick up in verse 32. It says, As uh, for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness, according to the number of days in which you spied out the land, 40 days. For each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. Jump down to verse 39. We see the response to uh, this judgment of the Lord. The, the uh, children of Israel are not real excited about that. The, the wrath of the giants was uh, intimidating and not very appealing, but the wrath of the Lord uh, was, was a bit uh, more for them, right? And it's interesting because here they were talking, just talking, you know, that kind of nervous, scared talk. We should have been, you know, it would have been better for us to die in Egypt or in the wilderness. And so now the Lord tells them, yeah, you're going to die in the wilderness. But now, let's see what they say. Verse 39, Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning, and they went up to the top of the mountain, saying, here we are. 
and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned, right? So now they're ready to go. They got a little motivation, right? But verse 41, Moses said, why, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you will be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountain. Nevertheless, neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed for, uh, from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. And so they suffered defeat. And so after the Lord told them, gave them a, a judgment, they didn't want to do what God had called them do, to do, to step into the land and to take the land that he was giving them. They wanted to go back and retreat. And so as the Lord says, you're going to die in the wilderness. Now they're ready to obey. Now they want to obey what he said. But the third step in turning your vantage point to an advantage point is that our T is totality. We need to obey God totally. Complete obedience, right? We're not to obey him on our own time on our schedule, according to our understanding or what we want to do, right? We need to totally obey God when He calls us, how He calls us. Because the truth of the matter is partial or selective obedience is disobedience. It's rebellion. And so we see in verse 24, if you jump back, it says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and he has followed me, what does it say? Fully. He has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. And so we see a, a very stark contrast between the children of Israel who want to, to do what God says on their own time according to their own plan versus Caleb who followed the Lord fully. And so from this we realize that you either follow the Lord fully or you're not following him at all. Right? This, this conditional serving of the Lord, following the Lord on your own terms, that's deception. You're not following the Lord. Obedience must be complete. It must be total. Jump back to verse 35 there, chapter 14. It says, And I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do all this, I will, all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. So here, these are supposed to be his people, and yet he calls them an evil congregation. He says that they are against him, right? Because they are rebelling against what God has said. They claimed to be the children of Israel. They, they claimed to be God's people, but they weren't doing what God said, right? How, ma how many of us know people who claim to be followers of God, but their lives, they're not following God? And so we got to do what God, what God has called us to do, when He has called us to do it, and how He has called us to do it. Amen. And so here now, the children of Israel are wanting to respond. And essentially, this is the too little, too late for them. And here's the point, guys, is this. If you're not in God's will, then you are in God's way. Right? you got to be completely in His will, because if you're not in His will, you are in, in opposition. You are contradicting what He's trying to do. 
Even Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, he says, He who is not with me is against me, and who does not gather with me scatters abroad. The truth of the matter is, guys, you are either contributing to what God is doing or you are inhibiting what God is doing. You're either part of the solution or you are part of the problem, right? We can't serve God on our own terms, in our own way, when it feels right. If God tells you to move today, don't wait until tomorrow to do it, right? Don't wait until tomorrow to do what God's called you to do today. Delayed, dis delayed obedience is disobedience. And so we can't follow God on our own terms. We need to follow God completely, immediately, and with totality. And so if God doesn't go, as we see here, if, if we're not doing it according to His will, it's not going to be successful. Right? The same action, the same thing, going up to, to conquer these people, they were defeated, right? Because it's not about the action, it's about aligning ourselves to God's will, to His timing, to His way to do things completely. And when we try to do things in our own strength, we will fail. And so we need to follow God, we need to obey Him. In totality. And so as we kind of summarize and wrap this up again, um, we need to act not in fear because we do, we do silly things when we fear, right? We need to align ourselves to God. Our A stands for, what is it? Align. Align. Alignment. Align ourselves to God. Are you on God's team? Are you doing things His way? We need to, what's the C? Continue, right? Don't let anyone or anything sway you or persuade you or distract you from what God has called you to do. You know, that's how Satan started out in the garden. Has God really said? Where we begin to question and second guess when things get difficult, when circumstances get crazy, and then we go, wait, did God really say that? Yes. Your circumstances don't change God's word and what he has said. And doesn't God have a track record of faithfulness? Doesn't he deserve our trust and our faith? I mean, that was our word for 2020, right? Trust. And here we were as a church, you know, stepping out of the old place, not knowing where we were going to go, not knowing where we were going to end up, but knowing that we had a faithful God. And here we are today. Has God not come through? I think God deserves some praise for that. Amen. God delivered. God is trustworthy, right? And so we need to trust the Lord, continue on, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. We don't deny the difficult circumstances, but God's going to carry us through them, and we must obey Him in totality. Not in our, on our own terms, in our own way, or our timing, but how He wants, in the way that He wants. Um, as we wrap this up here, it's interesting if you kind of go forward as the, the children of Israel are beginning to finally claim and inherit and take possession of the land in uh, Jericho, in uh, Joshua chapter 2, uh, Rahab is speaking in Joshua 2.9, and she says this uh, to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror, that terror of you has fallen on us and on the inhabitants of the land, are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea uh, for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And so here we see that God was working behind the scenes. 
These great works that the Lord had done, the plagues and, and with the Red Sea and all that, God was working behind the scenes as the, the men's hearts were in terror. They were faint-hearted because of what God had done. Guys, we need to understand that just because we can't see what God is doing doesn't mean that He's not doing anything. God works behind the scenes, prepares things, and is doing things that we just faithfully continue on in what He's called us to do, just to do our part. God's going to do His part. He's faithful. He will deliver. And as he does his part, we need to be faithful to do our part so we arrive where he wants us, when he wants us, so victory can be achieved. Amen? Amen. As we look at Caleb a little further down the road here, as he's inheriting and, and taking possession in Joshua 14, Caleb, he's, he's quite a guy here. Check this out. Joshua 14, verse 7. As uh, Caleb talks about this situation here with the spies, he says, For I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore to me that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength uh, for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you have heard in that day of how Anakim were there and that, and that the cities uh, were great and fortified, that it may, uh, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said." And so here is Caleb, 85 years old. He's like, I'm as strong now as I was back then. Now, now that's interesting, right? I mean, you're looking at an 85-year-old warrior ready to, to go and take on the, these giants and do all this, this stuff. And, and, you know, it's like, okay, I, I'm getting a little bit older, but I don't think, you know, the 85-year-old body and, and the 40-year-old body, like there's, there's some changes that happen there, right? Uh, as far as physical strength and things like that. But see, what we see here is that's not what he's talking about. It's not his physical strength. It was not in his ability. It was not in his physicality. His strength was in the Lord because he was as excited and motivated that God would deliver, that God would fulfill his promise 45 years later. Guys, it's not based on our ability. It's not based on our strength and what we can do. We need to trust in God and know that he will deliver. Amen? And so we see the evidence of God fulfilling his promises as he always does. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you guys know this. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? And lean not to your own understanding, right? In how many ways? All your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path, right? You don't have to understand what's going on. God knows what's going on. Right. This, this, this advantage point, the proper vantage point is to trust him that he sees what he needs to see and he's going to show you what you need to see. You know what you need to see? Your next step. You don't need to know the whole plan. 
Check it out. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, right? It's not this spotlight that shows you the entire path of where you're going to go and what the whole plan is. It's going to show you your next step. Take that next step in faith. God will give you what you need when you need it. He will reveal that to you. Take that next step of faith, whatever it is. Whatever that step is to hear his voice clearer, to hear his voice louder. Man, take that next step. Take that step in faith in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of craziness. And so as we close here, my question, my challenge for us today is, you know, what vantage point are you viewing this season? How are you looking at 2021? Are you acting in faith or are your actions based on fear? Are you looking at the opportunity or are you focused on the opposition? You know, there's really kind of two ways that we can take this as we kind of reflect back on the text here. As we step into this next year, as we kind of step into the unknown, we don't know what lies ahead. We can step into 2021 with a tiptoe, right? We can tiptoe. I don't know what's going to happen next. Or we can be like Caleb and say, let's go. Tiptoe or let's go. We have that choice to make, right? And it depends on are you going to align yourself with God? Are you going to continue in what he's called you to? And are you going to obey him completely? Because when we do that, we will not fail. We will get to our destination. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do come before you. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you that not only are you a God of promises, but you are a God of deliverance. God, we thank you that you are never late. God, that you always show up. And you do what needs to be done. So, Lord, would you strengthen us? God, I just pray for, for each and every person that's here, Lord God. 2020 has been rough. It's been a difficult year, a challenging year. God, I pray that you would meet each and every person right where they're at, Lord. That you would minister to their hearts, Lord. Whatever their struggles, whatever their challenges are, those are real. Whatever fears may be there, there are, are real. Whatever opposition may be there, Lord God, but God, I pray you would fill them with faith. God, fill them with your spirit, Lord God, that we would be able to overcome the challenges, the fear, the obstacles that lie ahead of us, Lord, to step forward in faith, knowing that you are faithful, that it is in your strength that you will deliver us. So God, give us eyes to see according to how you would have us see to not approach this life, to not approach this year, to not approach this world from man's vantage point. But that our eyes would look to you to seek what you would have us to seek, to step where you would have us to step and when and how. So fill us with your spirit. Empower us with your strength that we may be victorious in all you've called us to do. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.